0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: For it's one,
2: two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball
0: game.
1: Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a Pitcherless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. Uh, my co-host Brandon is actually out today, uh, so I'm joined by Pitcherless owner Dave Sherman. Now, Dave is an Across the Seams manager here at PL and the host of the Across the Seams podcast, along with Daniel McDonald, uh, and just all around really cool guy. Uh, Dave, welcome to the podcast. We're super glad to have you here. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> um so i know i know you know across the seams it's a little bit th- this might be a little bit of a change of pace uh what are <laughs> you, you excited like uh where, where are you coming from on this one?
2: <laughs> oh yeah I, i'm excited and i actually think that i mean our podcast kind of go hand in hand in a sense because across the seams really is the op-ed side of picture list it's where we get to dive into the narratives and the stories and the little nuances to the game that make us all happy. I mean, it's, uh, We Love Baseball kind of sprung out of our Across the Seams section to begin with, and that might be my favorite section of the site at this point. Uh, so, you know what, I, I think it's a, it's a natural flow of the conversation from Across the Seams here to join you on
1: Short Hops and Tall Tales. All right. Well, we do have narratives and stories uh, on tap. But first, uh, or actually, yeah, I'll give you the rundown real quick. So, we're going to kick things off uh, talking about Rube Waddell. Uh, and you may have heard of him. You may not have, seeing as he's a ball player from like 1900. Uh, but he has a ton of colorful stories we're going to get into in just a few seconds. We're bringing back the uh, the pickle jar once again with a super weird term, possibly the weirdest one I've ever heard in baseball. Uh, we'll get to that later. Then, we're going to finish things off. Off with our the return of our game keep extend cut or uh, excuse me rent extend cut uh, with chipper jones adrian Beltre, and derek jeter but first dave i have to put you through the trial by fire of course uh, with a quick trivia question okay. uh, now you might know this you might not but who was the first baseball player to appear on a wheaties cereal box
2: first baseball <laughs> player to appear on a wheaties cereal box so, I mean, the real question is how far back do Wheaties boxes go, right? Because <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, the first name that I want to say is like Willie Mays, but I don't know that Wheaties okay. boxes are that old.
1: <laughs> oh, you are gonna be you are gonna be surprised. You want a hint? Sure. Uh, he played for uh, the team on your ball cap. That is the New York Yankees. For those of you who cannot see Dave.
2: Okay, so I am actually gonna think much older than. Um... Somebody said, I don't think it's Babe Ruth. I'm going to go with Joe DiMaggio.
1: Oh, you were so close. It was Lou Gehrig. Gehrig. No, Lou, Lou Gehrig. Gehrig. damn it. <laughs> you were so close. Yeah. Who knew Wheaties were that old? Lou Gehrig in yeah. 1934 was the first athlete period to be featured on a Wheaties cereal box. Huh. Right. It's just, I don't know. I I saw that when I was, when I was looking for trivia, I was like, I had no idea that Wheaties were that old. I mean, Mm -hmm. are you a big Wheaties guy? I feel like that's, I've never really tried them. I feel like it was
0: a
2: big thing in like the nineties, early 2000s. You'd see commercials for Wheaties (laughs) or like, Oh, the athlete's going to be on the Wheaties box. Like I remember it's not baseball, but seeing D2, the mighty ducks. And like, it's a huge deal that they get put on a Wheaties box. (laughs) <laughs> and as a kid i cared for some reason of course and then it just stopped being a thing
1: it's it's really weird because i think the most iconic wheaties cereal cover i can remember was michael phelps and all the like beijing gold medals i think he had on okay. him. um i think that that's the is there do you think of the mighty ducks when you think of wheaties or is there another athlete that that kind of comes to mind first
2: honestly it's sad but that's the first thing that comes to mind uh i
1: also think of like <laughs> tiger woods good one yeah yeah it's a classic uh,
2: yeah but th- there's a reason i think back in that stretch because that's when it used to be a thing and now no one cares about who's on the BB's <laughs> box
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's that i just find that to be a really interesting part of just like american sports culture for <laughs> some reason But, uh, yeah, that and
2: the combination, you know, going to Disneyland, like Disney did a great job with that. You know, they said, oh, we'll get games on ABC so that, uh, you know, people watch them. No, no, no. It's so that you can plug (laughs) Disneyland.
1: They, they just buried the lead the whole time. Yep. That, those Disney people, they're, uh, they're devious. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, Lou Gehrig, who would have known we've already learned something. We're only five minutes into it, uh, but now we're going to go even further back. So that was 1934. We're going to take it all the way back to 1876 and uh, talk about one of the earliest ball players that I think we've ever talked about on this podcast. And that is George Edward Rube Waddell. Um, so like I said, one of the oldest guys, great baseball name just to start off, right? Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, I
2: feel like if we're talking about a player from the dead ball era and he doesn't have a funky nickname, I don't
1: care. Oh, we've we've got we've had some great nicknames on this on this podcast, uh, like Boots Pothenberger, who <laughs> very similar, right? Like that doesn't sound like a real like that's so far in a way, just so ridiculous. But uh, so Rube Waddell um, was very similar to Boots Pothenberger, who's a Uh, pitcher that we covered all the way back in episode seven uh so if you want that background uh if you're listening go check out episode seven and boots pothenberger i i promise you will not regret it one of the just wildest baseball players of all time Uh, but now we're talking about rube waddell who was a pitcher uh from 1897 to 1910 and like boots pothenberger he was described as having just a golden arm. along with the emotional maturity of a child uh, (laughs) to put it lightly. And if you quickly Google, just before we get into the discussion about this guy, if you Google Rube Waddell, he looks just like Bill Hader. It is uncanny. (laughs) So, so if you're listening to this, imagine this, this player, it's just Bill Hader doing all these, these stunts, right? Because it's, it's, I think that's going to be the most enjoying way to think about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ever
2: since you told me the name, it's I've been trying to figure out where I've heard it. Is this the guy that like would just wander off a baseball field at any given time because there was like an ambulance?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that for sure. But he okay. did. He I'm had, so excited <laughs> now. Yeah, he had a a real uh, passion for for fire trucks and fire in general. Okay,
2: so Bill Hader. <laughs> Went back in time to troll people in the, you know, in 2021 by reading baseball stories like that's not real. There's no way a person did that. That's
1: obviously what's happening here, right? It's actually Bill Hader. He could honestly, this just this whole career sounds like an SNL skit. Like it really does. (laughs) Like we'll get into it. So, so yeah, let's talk about the career for a second. So we're in, I'm going to preface this. Usually we talk about in depth, like, you know, this, you know, he did this in this season. I'm going to preface this with some general stats uh, before we get into the real crazy stuff that he gets into. Mm-hmm. Just because I want you to know this is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Rube <laughs> had a Hall of Fame career on the field and at one point was considered by Connie Mack to be the greatest pitcher in the game. Like this isn't some some like, you know, I, I don't know, middling kind of player that had some. He this is no like Bartolo Cologne.
2: No, He's exactly. An actual player.
1: Exactly. Right? Exactly. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, so, just real brief snapshot of his career. Uh, he went 193 and 143 with 2,316 strikeouts in just under 3,000 innings. Uh, He was considered by many to be the first real strikeout pitcher in that he led the league for six straight seasons from uh, 1902 to 1907 and cleared 300 strikeouts twice. Now, mind you, this isn't the dead ball era. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of strikeouts
1: for that era. That's a lot of strikeouts for this era. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, maybe not a lot, but like it's for the dead ball era like. Like, that's that's like Ty Cobb, like, we're, we're hitting to the opposite field, we're not hitting home runs, there's not even a fence half the time, like, like contact, 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 it's incredible. And he put about. up an elite ERA while doing that? Oh, you bet, he had a, a career 216 ERA, which, once again, they're all suppressed because dead ball era, but his adjusted yeah, ERA. But yeah. To be a
2: strikeout machine in that era, in addition yeah. to not allowing a ton of runs, like... <clears throat>
1: Yeah, well, Damn. like I said, he cleared 300 strikeouts twice, and in 1904, he he struck out 349 batters. That outpaced the second place finisher by 110 strikeouts. <laughs> that does not happen. Like <laughs> that's a record. Wow. That is a the single season record for strikeouts uh post 1900, and that stood uh for another what is yeah, until 1965 when Sandy Koufax broke it with 382. Damn. So that that's a record that stood beyond the dead ball era. Yeah. So I want you, like, I, like, it's just important to think about all of this in the context, uh, you know, all these following stories in the context that this was legitimately the one of the greatest athletes of his deck of his era. So consider, you know, just keep I, that in mind. I pulled <laughs> up his stats now and I'm seeing like
2: 1910 was his last season. He threw 33 innings of 3.55 ERA ball. Still a two eighty three whip. He struck out 16, and he's like, oh, God, I'm done. I'm a terrible pitcher now, (laughs) 3.55. He's washed. Oh, yeah. Can't (laughs) believe he's still in the game. 33 innings. Shouldn't have let him throw in three.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for that reason, like he had a blazing fastball, a disgusting uh, curveball that he had great command over. And Connie Mack, like I said, he called him the best combination of speed and curves of any pitcher who played the game. Mm -hmm. So like I said, keep in mind, this is the best of the best at this time. But Mm -hmm. like I said, while he had a Hall of Fame record or career on the field, it's what he did off of the field. that's really captured the attention of baseball history nerds like myself for years. Uh, So I'm just really quickly. Going to read off a li- like a list of his like I don't really want to call them accomplishments to be honest with you <laughs> um, fun facts like feats yeah fun facts we'll go with fun facts um, and then just just give me your reaction to him I guess we'll do it live so uh, just to start things off mildly like he often missed scheduled starts to just go <laughs> fishing and drinking and I feel like like our boy Boots Poffenberger did that I feel like that was a lot more common then um, when you had to work in the off season and like you know on farm so he, yeah mm-hmm. but still frustrating you're a professional athlete um and of course he was fascinated with fire um now there is that legend that you you touched upon uh briefly earlier that uh there's a story that rube Waddell was on the field pitching and a fire truck passed by or I guess a fire wagon back in the 1900s right um and you know he i'm trying to think of the way to say it but he basically got his attention and there's this this legend that he like sprinted off the field to chase down this fire truck in the middle of a game. <laughs> now, I don't want to be a buzzkill. It's probably not true. But then again, most of this stuff, like... Like, it's the 1900s. It, we pretty much have to take a lot of this with a grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the idea that most of this probably embellished. Um, however, so while he, there's no real reports of him actually sprinting off of a diamond that seems like more of a, an embellishment, he was very fascinated with fire and, like, regularly did assist firefighters in places like Wisconsin, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Detroit. Which is still wild. Like, just, just if you, if that's the original story and that's ridiculous, like, the real-life story that he just... Would regularly help help people fight fires like <laughs> that's in, insane like, in its own right, right? Like like I feel like it's it's a almost a disservice to to lie about or to make up this myth because that's incredible that he did that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now this is this is great and this is something that I actually think I read about Satchel Paige doing a couple times, but he would actually occasionally tell his infielders to just leave the field and walk to the bench, and then he would strike out the side in the last inning of a game. That has gotta be the the most baller move you can have you can do on a baseball field if you're a pitcher. Like <laughs> That's just disrespectful to your opponent. That'd start a fight. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs>
2: like Josh Hader just tells the whole Brewer's infield <laughs> to get off the field and then he strikes out three batters in a row and just like stares into their dugout? <laughs> I'm
1: pretty sure do he'd you, get shot. Do you think? A pitcher could could get away with something like this. Like I think if anyone DeGrom just because of the respect people have for him, but even then I think people would be trying to fight him. It It's the
2: kind of thing Trevor Bauer would do in the, in spring training cuz he's such yeah.
1: an idiot, just an idiot. Uh I it would be fun could to
2: see, see some pitcher try it just in spring training, maybe or in like a a practice where they they have like a a net in front of them uh like a screen like (laughs) simulated in practice guys throw behind just to make sure they don't get killed or anything yeah just see if they can do it yeah but it would be fun to have like a game of how many guys in a row can you strike out
1: (laughs) and have like a contest between the pitchers that's pretty that's actually sounds like a great really fun way to practice (laughs) (laughs) that sounds really fun um yeah so allegedly he only did that in exhibition games so you know it's a little you know not as cool as being a real game but still just a huge move um (laughs) so there's also myths that rube waddell when he was pitching would occasionally get distracted by fans that would hold up puppies and other shiny objects no way i can't I, can't, I don't even know how to comment on that. Like, it's just... It's a, like, <laughs> we're getting yeah. distracted by puppies. I mean, don't get Fair. me wrong,
2: dude, I get it. Fair. Like, been there. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we're talking about the same guy who would just forget that he had a start that day. Right. So I guess I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Right, um, and just continuing the circus, we're getting full feet first. Occasionally, he—I
2: <laughs> was the owner of that team, though I would buy him a dog to try and like desensitize him to puppies. Be <laughs> like, just spend a lot of time with this one, and that way, when you see other ones, it won't be as big a shock.
1: They—they they really tried to to work around him because one, he was so talented, and two, because Connie Mack did did appear to like really care about him as you know one of his longtime players. And so I did read some stories about how uh, when Connie Mack actually was trying to bring him to the Philadelphia Athletics, how Connie Mack actually he hired some Pinkerton uh, or I think they're like federal, like they're like police officers essentially, Mm -hmm. but federal, I think back then Um, some Pinkertons to actually escort him to to Philadelphia to make sure he actually got there (laughs) like because they they figured like, you know, he might be off chasing a fire truck. Um, he would disappear during the off season just randomly. And keep in mind, 1900, I feel like if you don't write a letter, that's fair to call it a disappearance back then. Right. Uh, but he would disappear and then pop up somewhere. Like he, he, one time he was caught like wrestling alligators in a circus because why not? <laughs> See, you, you think this, that this is like, it, it just gets wilder. Like <laughs> the the closest thing we have to that
2: is Madison Bumgarner as Mason Saunders, finding yes. out that he uh, rides. Who is he uh, rides bulls? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, in the yeah. off season as Mason Saunders. That's the closest thing we have. But imagine like getting a Twitter update like for your in your Dynasty League. Lucas Dula will miss the start of this season <gasps> because he decided to compete in the League of Legends Championship. You're just like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I, like. I mean, <laughs> Cool. That's like good for you, but like, seriously,
1: <laughs> it's just so out there. But it's just so perfect for the the period, you know, the mm-hmm. the time period. It's so like, I why not? Right? Was was Rube Waddell <laughs> one of the original Florida men? Oh, you're on to something because there were also reports of Waddell uh, leading a parade straight up with a baton and all down a main street in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> yep
2: yep well, we're you talking about the original florida man is the original
1: happened. florida man yeah <laughs> yeah um he had a favorite catcher and battery mate uh, aussie shrek but most people shortened that to shrek like his his catcher was named shrek or that's what people called him and he, they were best friends and he got into as many hijinks almost or as as waddell did like obviously that takes on a new context, uh, in the two thousands with the dreamworks films. But I just, I saw that and I'm like, that's is his name. They really call him Shrek. Uh, I, I have to just say, I'm really disappointed because I have never
2: met anyone with that cool of a last name. And I just don't think that last names like that exist nowadays. Shrek and ghost. I think it's German. That's fantastic. I've yeah. never met anyone with that cool of a last name in real life. Now I'm just a little disappointed.
1: So not only that, but he was actually suspended. So this is like, I feel like I've heard this about Ty Cobb before, but so he was actually suspended for five games in 1903 because Rube climbed into the stands to beat up a spectator who allegedly had been a gambler who was baiting the pitcher. But was this just a common occurrence back then? Because this is not the first time I've read about a baseball player going into the stands to fight somebody.
2: Uh, See, I i haven't heard of that before, I mean, it just gives me real mouse the palace vibes, right, but uh I mean, of course we're right. talking about a man who would just wrestle alligators sometimes, and you're going to heckle this man why would yeah exactly- why would you do that <laughs>
1: like, I'd be afraid to heckle anyone who looked like a six one two hundred pound bill hater. That sounds horrifying, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that was wild. But what was wilder is that in 1903, in that off season, he actually toured with a theater company and performed as himself in the melodrama, The Stain of Guilt. Uh, critics gave it, his performance very middling reviews. Apparently, he couldn't memorize his lines, which is hilarious because apparently he only really had like 24 words to it, you know in his speaking role anyway. Um, and just all around wasn't a great actor. But if you think his little like, you know, Broadway uh, venture was wild. um, It actually it gets weirder. So one night uh, he sneaks away from his performance uh, because he hears that there's lions in a nearby theater. And of course, you know, lions, I got to check that out. Um, And so allegedly he punched a lion and the lion, of course, was not a fan of this and bit him on his pitching hand. (laughs) This dude punched a lion. I can't I can't. There are no words like we
2: (laughs) we officially cannot make fun of Devin Williams anymore because there is a dumber man.
1: I don't even know. I could totally see Max Scherzer in the right mood, punching a lion straight in the face. But I just don't think that was the I I don't know if he was channeling Max Scherzer here. (laughs) Like (laughs) given the same scenario nowadays,
2: like Max Scherzer punched a lion at a circus. That, if that was the headline, like, we'll miss two months. <laughs> I don't know if I would make fun of him. If people would be mad at him for punching a lion. It'd be pretty cool.
1: I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah.
0: that would That would animals, break Twitter.
1: It would. I think that's, that would break you know what baseball this Twitter. This guy is a headline generator. Oh, he's a, a yeah. Twitter AI because this is literally something you
0: that, read That's
2: why I keep coming back to imagine seeing the headline of a yeah. modern player doing this <laughs> yeah. because he's just spitting out headlines left and right. We're like, this is the most interesting person right. I've ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, baseball just is not a big deal to
1: him. He's no. amazing at it, but like, he can take it <laughs> or leave it. He's he, exactly it's it's like I, I know Anthony Rendon is he said like yeah I don't love baseball but it, it gets me paid I'd rather play basketball but that t- taken to a 12 right mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, now did this actually happen maybe I I was only able to dig up the one article but I did find something that said the same day he was actually beaten up by a group of thugs in a case of mistaken identity now was this a cover story I don't know but uh, regardless it's something Um, now as we we, uh, bring the uh, story of Rube Waddell to a close uh, we've got a couple more nuggets here that are pretty great so he pitched a 20 inning excuse me he once pitched a 20 inning marathon in 1905 against Cy Young in won 4 2 after he gets the last out he does cartwheels off of the mound which understandable your arm must be like beef jerky at this point (laughs) like 20 innings Twenty innings,
2: and, and you described 000. him as having like a, a decently fast fastball. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was probably not a hundred, but like, this is probably sitting upper eighties, low nineties, yeah. where you still can't throw two hundred pitches nowadays. Doing right? that,
1: what what I'd be interested in is what the game time was for for that particular uh, you know day nine because hours. yeah, nine hours. But baseball is a lot faster back then. You know, I you know, it'd be I feel like it'd be shorter than we think necessarily. Um but what's great is so after he pitches this marathon, he goes around to the bars and trades his uh I'm doing air quotes, his game ball for free drinks. And now legend has it that there are uh there were a ton of bartenders back then with the game ball from the 20 inning game. Like how do you come up with this stuff? Um and then so <laughs> So then, towards the end of his career, uh, things are, are you know slowing up, but he's still great. He actually hurts his shoulder fighting over a straw hat with his teammate in 1905. Uh, it was rumored that he was faking it as part of a bribe, but he really was never the same pitcher afterwards. So I'm inclined to think uh. that he he really did get hurt fighting over a straw hat, which honestly is the least surprising thing in this career full of of just wild stories. Um, and then, unfortunately, he did he you know. He died at 37 uh, from a bout with pneumonia back then. Medical care obviously wasn't great. Um, But Connie Mack, like I said, he called him the greatest pitcher in the game. And knowing Connie Mack, that is no small compliment. Um, Mm -hmm. So Rube Waddell, perhaps the only Hall of Famer who's more famous for what he did off of the field than what he did on it. Um, So. I I feel like I need a shower after that or like, like a break. Like that was, that was wild. So we're going to actually take a short break real quick and we will be back in just a second. All right, we're back. Um, And now we're going to go into uh, one of my favorite segments, the recurring pickle jar. Now, for those of you that are first time listeners, the pickle jar is an opportunity to highlight some of our favorite weird baseball jargon and slang and then pitch it to people who maybe aren't as familiar with the sport as we are. Um, Because you get weird slang, you ask somebody who's not familiar to come up with something, you know, what or they come up with what they think it means and hilarity ideally ensues. Uh, so this week's word is duck snort. And when I initially pitched it to Dave, he snorted. So <laughs> um, Dave, I'm going to put you on the hot seat right now. Just off of the top of your head, what do you think a duck snort means on a baseball diamond?
2: So since you told me, I have been thinking long and hard about uh, about this. And I'm here to tell you exactly what a duck snort is uh, or what duck snort means. Duck snort is... Uh, <laughs> The the type of pitcher who refuses to come out of a game, who you can rely on in the big game and will fight for the extra innings and will themselves through a, a tough outing. That is a duck snort. Tell me how
1: wrong I am. I love the confidence with which you delivered that answer. I honestly, <laughs> after hearing that, I wish that's what it meant because I think that's that's better. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's your idea. I'm going to read off a couple ideas that I got from people I know. So my girlfriend, Mia, I asked her what's a duck snort. And she immediately responded WTF before saying that she thinks it's when a person hits the ball and someone bobbles it. And then the duck snorts. I don't know why there'd be a duck on the baseball field, but she took a very literal meaning to it. Um, which uh, I appreciate I know, the imagery.
2: Let's hear her out. I think she's <laughs> onto something.
1: Right. Um, so that one really quacked me up. Um, then we have Ethan. <laughs> We're going to just mo- keep it moving. Uh, then my buddy Ethan, uh, who actually earlier today was like, hey, why am I never featured on on the pickle jar? I'm like, all right, good luck with this. So he said that ducks are small and adorable so that he assumes if a duck had to snort, it would also be adorable as well. So he thinks it's a cheeky little bloop shot. Um, and... To his credit, that's exactly what it is. I don't know if you Googled that, Ethan, or if you just truly nailed it, because I would have never have guessed that in a million years. But you're right. The actual definition for duck snort is a softly hit ball that goes over the infielder and lands in the outfield for a hit. A bloop single, also related to... uh, We uh, we talked about dying quails, I think, last episode as our word. Very, very similar in meaning. Uh, Now, the origin of the duck snort is actually... (laughs) actually derived from duck fart uh, because this is the level of humor that we we aspire to on short hops and tall tales uh, so it's derived from duck fart and uh, it's believed it's been uh, duck snort has been popularized by uh, White Sox announcer Hawk Harrelson who cleaned it up to make it a little more family friendly which I think is fairly ironic um, but I guess it's in reference to the sound a duck makes when passing gas because it was assumed <laughs> It's that a duck's feathers would make its flatulence as soft or as quiet as the hit. I don't know. That's probably one of the wilder words we've had on here, but I can kind of, I, I can kind of see guess it. I I see where it comes from. I think you have a much better, a much better definition <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can see it. You know, you make poor contact. Doesn't sound good off the bat. I don't know who's going around listening to ducks fart. But uh, that maybe that's what they did in the 1900s. So duck snort. Yeah, I
2: can tell you Rube Riddell
1: definitely went to watch ducks fart. (laughs) That's what he was doing when he wasn't pitching. He was uh, (laughs) down at doing his Huckleberry Finn impression. All right. So that's the duck snort, a word that I had not ever heard of until today so hopefully you know you can hopefully some announcers here in this and you can work it into a game or something i don't know mm-hmm. uh now we're gonna go into uh and bring back our our game rent extend cut haven't done this in a little while but for those of you that are new it is a game where we take three players uh from baseball history past and present occasionally from the same era occasionally from across history uh and we choose one that we would like to if we were the gm one we would like to just rent for one season one we would like to build a statue of and make the you know face of the franchise and extend them and one that is not going to make it out of spring training uh so of course we're going to be picking through hall of famers today so it's going to be hard to figure out who is going to be a cut our players today we've got chipper jones adrian beltray and derek jeter Now, uh, I know I mentioned this before, but if you can go about ranking these players however you wish. If you want to just pull up the Fangraphs leaderboard, be my guest. If you want to, you know, go on some intangibles or or, or pick from the heart, also also up to you. Uh, What is your initial reaction, though, to these three names?
2: Sure. So, naturally, I mean, I'm a Yankee fan uh, who grew up during... Derek Jeter's career. He was my favorite player growing up. Uh, He's the batting stance that everyone would would emulate. And my gut reaction is, you know, keep Derek Jeter. Okay. But uh, that's, that's my gut reaction because when I think Derek Jeter, what I think is Derek Jeter's career and the New York Yankees success while Derek Jeter played for them. That being said, Let's look at Derek Jeter the player. Okay. Derek Jeter the player was, you know, a 310 to 320 average uh during his peak. Like pretty good hitter. Uh 15 to 20 homer power and maybe 20 stolen bases. Right. He he was good. Uh and at the same time, honestly, he was an average at best defender. Okay. I, I don't think he was ever a great defender. He just made some athletic plays that right. got more attention because he played for the Yankees. And
1: I think I think that in recent years, that's something that's been overblown too. Is this whole like almost counterculture, like Ah oh, Jeter wasn't that good? He was a terrible defender. It's like Derek Jeter is still an amazing shortstop and one of the best hitting shortstops of all time. Like, yeah, he wasn't an amazing fielder, but that shouldn't take away from his overall body of work, right?
2: Yeah, like he was still, I think, a career like 315 hitter, something like that. Yeah. Uh, So he was a very, very good hitter who gave good enough power, uh, good enough speed to to stay relevant. That said, I just, I don't know if we can quantify his off the field aspect of, you know, leadership, how much of that is him? How much of that is just look at how good that team was. Uh, So my inclination, when I think about it more is to cut Derek Jeter.
1: Cut. Wow. Cutting Derek Jeter with the Yankees hat on. Okay. So so that's
2: my inclination as I get uh, further on, because I mean, he's the lowest in war and that's largely because, Of his defensive metrics, Mm -hmm. of the three, I think he, for his career, ranks out as probably the worst defender position uh, exclusive. So obviously he's probably more athletic than Chipper Jones, but Chipper Jones was probably better at third base than Jeter was at shortstop.
1: Okay. That that's a very fair fair. So so yeah. let's talk about Chipper and Beltré then. Sure. Cutting Jeter. Now does does one immediately grab your attention over the other or do you view them fairly similarly looking back because they do play the same position? Mm-hmm. Um, and they played in I mean there there was some overlap in their careers.
2: Sure. So the the thing is two things that I go back and forth on. Pro Beltré is his I believe 27 career DWAR. That Beltre is a much, much better defender than Chipper Jones. Right. Uh that being said, Chipper Jones was gonna beat Beltre by 30 ish points in batting average and probably ten home runs. So Chipper's gonna be a much bigger force in the lineup. How do you uh,
1: how how much value do you place on Chipper Jones' switch hitting? I mean, it's definitely a factor. Not it. But
2: it's I not think a in a tiebreak situation, uh, I'll, I'll take the tiebreaker. But I would actually want to look at uh, Beltre's splits split. left and right because if it doesn't matter if he's not a switch hitter, if exactly. he still carries a solid split against righties, exactly. Uh, so w- without looking at that and assuming he didn't have a massive split, then what I'm going to say is I want to keep the guy who is going to be a solid defender year in and year out while still being a good offensive player in Adrian Beltre. Okay. And then let me complement that in a given year to make a title push by adding Chipper Jones to the mix uh, as a middle of the order threat.
1: Okay that that's a very well reasoned argument, I think. And I I do think when switch hitting is brought up, it, it's it's one of those things that it's sounds more impressive than it, it or it's very impressive, but it's not as useful I think as people seem to kind of argue that it is because mm-hmm. if 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 adrian beltray hits bet like like i don't have his numbers right in front of me his splits but if he hits better off of left handers than you know chipper jones or vice versa when chipper jones is hitting from the other side of the plate it's you take beltray he has the better numbers like it's great it's really cool that you can hit from both sides mm-hmm. of the plate it's really not a game changer to me like when i was growing up definitely like like i thought it was the coolest thing in the world i still think it's awesome but mm-hmm. it's 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 not as useful as i think it is cool I guess if if that's how I'm putting it. I think myself this is a hard one because I just I can't not keep Beltra. I love Beltre. And I don't I don't like I'm all for you know, changing it up and having a different okay. Be, before you make
2: that decision, okay. Adrian Beltre for his career against right handers, two eighty one, four fifty five slugging, uh, one oh five WRC plus, uh against left handers hit 254 with a 385 slugging and an 80 wrc plus for his career
1: interesting yeah so this is where i'm gonna get into into the heart of this i just love adrian beltray you know if i'm building a (laughs) statue of like because that's it like this is a podcast that yeah we talk about numbers but also it's about the 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 experience right Mm -hmm. and adrian beltray like You know, you just, that's the guy you build the statue of. I mean, obviously, you build a statue of any of these guys. Does Jeter have a statue? He must at this point, right? Or is it too early? I don't think he has one, but I'm
2: sure he will at some point.
1: Coming down the pipe, right? Um, Yeah, the man is
2: perhaps the most loved figure in New York in the last 40 years.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, there's Brody, uh, Van Gerwen, but, uh, you know, Uh, I think that. I think that if if I'm picking just personal preference based, it's it's going to be Beltray. Um, I just I understand that Chipper Jones is definitely the better hitter. And he's pro. And he's a better. See, this is why I hate the comparisons. This is what's it, fun about the game. Is it because
2: Adrian Beltre played for the Dodgers? It's not
1: actually. I do. I. It's I think- not because it's. Uh, it. I'll. I'll. Okay. I'll. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you your. I'll admit, sure, that can be a non-zero factor, but just genuinely, like, I don't mean to age myself, but I was not, like, I was a very small child when he was on the Dodgers. I do mm-hmm. not remember that at all. I remember Beltre on the Rangers. You know, like, he's a Rangers player to me. Um, and, hey, gosh, I wish we kept him, you know? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just the fun that guy has, you know? And just, just the smile. And, you know, I'm not saying that the other guys don't have fun and they don't smile, but mm-hmm. I just, every time I see Beltre out there, it makes me that's what I love about baseball. You know, he, he Mm. just really, it's the, I see Beltran, I see like camaraderie, right. You know, him and Elvis Andrews, you know, like the teammates, right. Um, Mm. and and he's a great player on top of that. So I think that,
2: I mean, if you can bottle that 2004 season, his last year with Seattle hitting 334, 48 home runs still stole seven bases. Like you give me that with his defense is better than anything. Chopper Jones has ever done.
1: And that's the thing is if we're looking at it, it's career versus a single year, like if, if I'm taking it, like there's still a great chance that Beltre will outproduce Chipper Jones in a given season, right. In a mm-hmm. vacuum. Um, so, so really, yeah, I, I think I have to agree. Just, yeah. Obviously he's a better fielder by, than either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like, I, you know, there's, I, I hate being the guy that's like the intangibles, but like, I just can't help, but love Beltre. And that's what the podcast is about. Right. As far as Jeter versus Chipper goes, that's a bit more of a toss up for me. Um I think I'd probably I don't know, I'd probably be more inclined to cut Chipper. Not not to be like different, but more just that you know, I at that position at shortstop having the bat of Derek Jeter to anchor your team or even for just a year, right? We're renting him in this scenario. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Like trading for Derek Jeter midseason, that's a playoff winning move from a lineup construction. Standpoint.
2: Yeah, that that definitely makes sense, especially Uh, all of the organizational philosophy that I have, uh, heard is that for you to build a strong, uh, lineup, you, you build up the middle, you catcher, second, short and center field are the most important. And then you can fill out the corners. But if you have the middle of the diamond secured, then that is a very strong foundation
1: exactly you can always find some left fielder to give you 30 bombs and and you know mm-hmm. 220 right uh, yeah or but, some guy to play first exactly exactly but Derek Jeter's don't grow on trees mm-hmm. um oh oh I know <laughs> yeah and plus you know we'll see what he does with his his GM you know actually I might cut him just so he doesn't uh, you know usurp me as the general manager here um but, uh, yeah, I think that's my final answer. I'm cutting Chipper. It's probably not the, you know, from a pure numbers standpoint, probably not the smartest move, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just, that, you know, that's what I'm going with. So, just for, uh, so you are cutting Jeter, you are renting Chipper, and you're signing Beltrade to that big deal. I'm also giving- I'm not both- happy about it. I'm not oh, happy about that's it. That's the point. Like, these are all great players, and that's the point, is to, to, to just stress out, because- you're not cutting any of these players. They're all Ooh. hall of famers. Like that's why I picked them. Uh, but it's, it's, it, I, I don't know. I just like, uh, you know, comparing guys like this. It's part yeah. of the fun of being a baseball fan. Right. Amen. Um, exactly. But uh, yeah, that will just about wrap us up for the evening. Uh, Dave, this was super, super awesome. I would love to have you on again. Do you want to give everyone a, a little more info about what across the seams uh, the podcast is about?
2: Sure. So going back, Across the Seams is our op-ed section of uh, Pitcher List. So Daniel and I, uh, when we get on, like to talk about uh, some of the articles that our Across the Seams staff has had and try and bring them on if we can uh, to share some of those narrative-driven topics that uh, go on during the season. In the offseason, we're hoping to talk a little bit about CBA discussions as they happen and kind of what is going on with those discussions. What are each side looking for? Uh, How close do we seem we are? Because 2022 baseball is not a guaranteed thing. Um, Uh, So we're we're hoping to talk about that. (laughs) And hopefully we have no issues and we have a
1: season next year. Hopefully. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, and then where can people find across the seams on Twitter? Uh, at the ATS podcast. Um, there you go. Um, and then of course, if you would like to follow along with short hops and tall tales on Twitter, you can find us at short hops, PL follow Dave at Dave chairman and myself. I guess if you like depressed tweets about the four Oh five traffic at Noah, a Scott six, um, Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you're having a good time, leave a review if you like. Uh, So for uh, Brandon Riddle, I hope you're doing well wherever you are, uh, and Dave Chairman, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.